Hey, wasn't uh wasn't this uh wasn't this great? Dune 2021. A lot better than the one with the rock. <laughs> Wait, what? Damn it. God damn it. <laughs> huh? Wanna run that body again? Oh wait a minute. I'm sorry. Uh we have to start over. I watched Doom. Oh. Oh, oh okay. <laughs> I see. Um damn you. Didn't damn expect you all help. the all the talking though. A lot, lot, lot less treatments than I anticipated. I will give <laughs> these movies credit. There were a lot of dunes in this in these movies. There were yeah, Anakin Skywalker yeah. would despise this movie. This would be yeah. This would be his absolute nightmare. Um, I saw that yeah. meme format. It was like, "Hey, Anakin, you want to see Dune?" And it just zooms in on her face, and he's like, "The movie about sand." She's like, yeah. "There's just no." Tint. She's like, "He's like the fucking movie about sand." Yes. Oh, it's it. Uh, I'll hold myself back. Um, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I I was very pleasantly surprised. I mean, I didn't expect it. Well, it's I expected it to be good because of the mm-hmm. director, but I wasn't expecting it to be as good as it was. Like I was pleasantly surprised at how well they handled that movie. Luckily walked into the twenty twenty one version with no expectations outside of mm-hmm. I haven't finished Blade Runner yet and everything I saw from that movie I was like, Wow, this is just fucking good and nobody gave a shit to go out and see it. Um Enemy is fucking fantastic. Prisoners is fucking fantastic. Yes. Um. So that's really my only bar for walking into this. And I have been you so- haven't you haven't seen Sicario or Arrival? No, not yet. Oh um, my god. Yeah, yeah, those, I'm gonna get on, yeah, I'm gonna get on those. Um, especially this new TV, and I have lots of you know this this new internal motivator to watch fucking movies. Um, you know, I'm 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 proud. I'm happy for you. You get to watch Sicario on a nice TV. <laughs> yes. Man, uh. I had to say like, say what you want about the movie, but. Uh, Zack Snyder's Justice League on this TV was a fucking sight to behold. Like every time they had like a like a shot of like Themyscira or some kind of big establishing mm. shot, I was like, oh. um. Yeah. So I had not seen the '84 version in a long enough time for all of this to be so <laughs> completely fresh. And then when I sat down to watch the '84 version a couple hours ago, I was like, now I remember why I don't remember any of this because it's handled with. Man, how do I describe the breakneck pace <laughs> of this very talky, very uneventful, yet incredibly fast-moving hodgepodge of bullshit that's yeah, in 1984? Uh, this is a salt of my senses. Um... <laughs> it's a crime, some could say. It's, I, um... I'd say it's a crime. I, I did not finish the movie. I, I had to stop because I was like, okay, I am... I am nowhere near. I actually tapped out when there was like a half hour left, which is funny because this movie, Dune 1984 is almost as long as Dune 2021 and covers like 1000% of the ground that the new one does. Yeah, well, it's that's the thing. They're trying to shove this huge epic in scale story into a two and a half hour movie and you mm-hmm. can't do that. Like I no. give David Lynch a lot of credit because I've reacquainted myself with a lot of stuff. I forgot from having not read Dune all that recently. And he did actually try his best to get a lot of that stuff in there. So did the writers, mm-hmm. but it just, they didn't have the technology for it. Also, well, it's uh, one of the most yeah. aggressively Lynchian things I've ever seen. And I've yeah. ever used it as a pejorative because like it but helps it's... nothing. 
It's Lynchian, but it has none of the charm either. That's yeah, the it's problem. Just, it's it. gross um, and mm-hmm. awful to look at, and most of it's just patently uncomfortable. Um, it, also, dialogue in this movie. Okay, so remember how you described Aquaman <laughs> as like people just show up, say their name, announce their intentions, and you're just like, cool, and it's just fun because it's a big fucking cartoon. It's silly. Um, mm-hmm. This movie is as serious as a heart attack and does the exact same thing, and it doesn't it work does. at all all like people are like hello i am this guy from this place and i'm going to do this thing and someone goes you're going to do that thing he goes i'm going to do this thing and they go that thing and they go this thing and then that's how the conversation goes and then he has a five minute monologue in his head yeah yeah well invariably someone will say the word spice in a whispered tone that kind of makes you uncomfortable there'll be a there'll be a zoom in of a mouth with a really bad mustache it's it's comical it's like mother i just had a waking dream you asked me about my dreams a waking dream you say a waking dream mother here is my waking dream here it is my waking dream she goes tell me the waking dream my son (laughs) it's shakespearean in the bad way which is a a good segue into some things about this new one which i would call shakespearean in the best possible way um it's like it's all the heightened language and just like arch characters but they they give them this sense of like groundedness um that i think is really important for an audience everyone in the new one is cold and distant in the way that i anticipate humans to be Mm-hmm. At like whatever fucking timeline this is in our fucking eight thousand years from yeah, now, it's really, yeah. like they're they're mm-hmm. they're basically aliens. Like I don't, yeah. yes, I'm like wow, we've adapted so far. Like nobody has guns. Technology is so far fucking advanced that it looks primitive and it looks so simple and and just straightforward and indifferent. Um, and like everyone's very touchy feely and like everyone's very intimate and uh, like the way everyone mm-hmm. talks is almost robotic. But it works because you look at everything around them and you go like, yeah, this is just kind of how things are now. Um, right. Then, but well, um, at the same time, like it, it feels like things have cycled backwards as well. Yes. Like we've gone over this many times. We've been where we are now many times before. And now we're back to a place that we've been before as well. And it's just like this sense of it's another time that is familiar, but also unfamiliar. Um, well, I wish I could remember the name of it, but there was, it's something from the novels that it doesn't really get mentioned until later in the series, but there was a jihad against thinking machines. And I should read this somewhere like, yeah, that yeah. there was like a big war against like like complex machinery and stuff like that. Yeah, about, yeah, it was, about man-made yeah. thinking machines and Terminator that, in space, essentially, to really <laughs> like just like simplify it overly simplify yeah, well it. Yeah, i mean so it was they, they looked it was the man destroying went, the robots hmm, right about there mm-hmm. there's where we get fucked like <laughs> yeah and that's i think that has a lot to do with why it feels like it's rolled back and i mean i think that's definitely what frank herbert was going for in the books and i think uh mm. i think how do you pronounce his last name is it villavenue Villa- uh, i thought it was villanueve this would be a great moment for Eric Sayor to emerge from the heavens and say I know, it but perfectly. He'd pronounce it and then I'd feel like an idiot because I couldn't pronounce it properly until I heard it like 15 times in a row. Um, but anyways, yeah, him, he as a director, like managed to get all this across and 
the general audience doesn't have to know about this deeper part of the dune mythology they can just be like okay this is just the way it is because the world feels so lived in in this movie yeah like um i also want to take this moment to take a heaping shit on one specific factor and idea and concept from the 84 version that i had forgotten about until eric brought up like last week um fuck weirding modules i hate it Mm -hmm. um what a dumb dumb star wars action figure let's sell some guns kind of idea like and i'm sure lynch was just like but here's i envision david lynch making this movie sitting down with his feet up on some kind of ottoman with a hat pulled down over his eyes and like 25 cigarette butts around his feet and like his hands are folding his stomach and someone's like all right, Dave, we got to do the weirding mantra shot. And he's like, yeah, the fucking weirding mantra shot. What the fuck ever? Like, <laughs> <laughs> this like, isn't my fucking movie. Like, absolutely divorced <laughs> from the process. Like, it just doesn't give a fuck. Um, he's like, this hasn't been my project since day one, god damn yeah, it. Gives a shit. <laughs> fucking shoot me. Um, <laughs> see part of me part of me thinks the weirding modules could be cool if used in a different movie and explained in yeah. a different way. But yeah. We got what we got, and it's not that great. Like me. Took, it's like because it, it seems to be mostly motivated by the idea of like my name has become a killing word, which I believe is said in the new one. But it's more like it's a battle cry, and it's well, a, it's a crusade, yeah. you know, concept. It's a jihad. Yes, because exactly. right. the holy that's, war in this kid's name. Yeah, well, I mean, that's in in the name of uh, of the Kutsak Hatterak, in the name of Muad'Dib. Like that's yeah. that's the thing. Like not to not to give away too much of the the other books but i mean the second book is all about how like this holy crusade has gotten out from underneath paul and yeah. it's the whole reason is because with his uh, prescience like he's too afraid to make a move that would screw something up so he doesn't do anything and it just leads to the fremen like uh zealots and all the other people that start following him like billions of people are slaughtered across the universe so like yeah so his name does become a killing word but i don't know if that if that line was used in the book at all but the other reason they used the uh, weirding modules in the movie was because the the weirding way like the crazy martial art that they're supposed to basically know it they couldn't figure out a way to film it properly with the 84 version mm-hmm. so they just came up with so this it just thing becomes a pew pew Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah so, well, well, honestly, like becomes a yellow the way a weirding module works, you could go pew pew and then actually yeah. kill something. Yeah, yeah, probably. Most yeah. likely. I mean, that's. I mean, that is something they establish in it. Like, it's it's certain tones and intonations of your voice are what equal various things. Because, like, there's the one point where he sets the thing on fire by using a different tone of his voice than yeah. when he's just blowing off the spikes. Yeah, he got his contra power up. Um, <laughs> Um, the other yeah, thing I, yeah. is that the, and this is like, this is by no means anyone's fault, but, uh, watching those fight sequences with the shields up was like <laughs> watching Tron while being held upside down and being shook <laughs> for your lunch money. Like, it's just, it's visually jarring and so janky and silly looking. Well, isn't that what Roblox look like? It looks like a fucking Minecraft <laughs> boxing match. Like, it's exactly. just, these two rectangles are just throwing down. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, and those I, actors are doing their best. They're really trying, but they're they all are. they all feel so defeated. Okay, um, also, and, what a fucking jobber this Duncan Idaho is. Holy shit. This guy's he's a got loser. A cool, he sucks. I, I fucking love that there is a hot like 
I don't know if it's high concept, but like there's a sci-fi thing out there where there's a character named Duncan Idaho. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's it's like the world's coolest man who yeah. doesn't change mm-hmm. his acting style one iota for this for Dune 2021 and somehow fits in right along with everybody. Like he's so <laughs> likable. I mean, I'll say this is probably the Idaho expert among the group. Um, he's the best thing with the name Idaho on it. Um, <laughs> come at me, Idaho. Come at me. But I did, um, I did read, so he does, and he, I was, so, like, before I watched the 84 version, I, like, did some wiki dives just to see, like, kind of what was happening with some characters, because, like, <laughs> I couldn't remember what, oh, yeah, it's, like, it's, like, it's a rabbit hole where it's just, like, the whole, like, there's, there's no hope well, of catching, like, debris or catching hold of something. The, the hole just gets wider. Well, and especially with Duncan Idaho, but go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, I'll oh my god, them. this guy's, like, his life is basically like, oh, you died, welcome back. Oh, you died, welcome mm-hmm. back. Oh, you died, mm-hmm. welcome back. Yep. Um, But, like, and it's it's a big deal that he takes out, what, 19 of the Sardaukar? Um Yeah, the yeah, Sardaukar. Yeah. Sardaukar, and, like, he dies very specifically, and I guess it says like a grievous head wound. And in the fucking '84 version, he shows he shows up, opens the door, and he's just immediately bodied. Yeah, he's shot. It's just he's done. done. Yep. Yeah, he's just gone. Well, there are a lot of characters that are just like edited out of the movie. Like I don't know what happens to Thufir in the '84 version. I don't know. He runs away with a pug. Yeah, it's just like, okay, and that's it. You see him in a cell later, and I don't know if he shows back up again or not. I assume he just died. Well, wait, um, wasn't wasn't Thufer the one who was poisoned, who had the cat that he was connected to that was processing oh, the poison? Oh, that's the Mentat. I'm sorry. I'm thinking of uh, Gurney. Oh, Gurney? Yeah, Gurney does that in the uh, book, too. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. he he shows back up later in the story. Because, yeah. I mean, in the Lynch version, they did get that right, that he comes back. But there's a little bit more to it because, like, Gurney is working with uh, smugglers. And they're like, you know, mm-hmm. we can we can bring you back to uh, to Caladan. Or if you keep working with us, we can promise you as much uh, Harkonnen blood as you want. Because Gurney, in the books, you find out, like, he has a scar running down his face. And that's from when he was tortured by the Harkonnens or the Harkonnens. Mm-hmm. Oh, so yeah, he, that pronunciation so he guy is now them. fucked in my head. <laughs> um and in terms of like other characters who i just like i just after it's weird because i saw the 84 version first but it was ages ago so i'm watching this i'm like this is just like a brand new experience but like i think literally every villain i saw in the 84 version i thought was just like just a cackling idiotic cartoon that <laughs> offered nothing to any scene they were in and specifically in some sequences, I was so perplexed by the additional level of weirdness. Like, what are heart plugs a thing? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Why yeah, did works. I have to see uh, Baron Harkonnen cover himself in syrup and then <laughs> molest a man who put some flowers in his room or something? Also, why well, do they have a fucking strip shaved in the middle of their fucking head? So many things about this movie that bother me. I don't there's know. A, I, it's like mm-hmm. there are a lot of choices that are made just because they're choices and they're never explained in the movie. That's why and, it's, it's the Lynchian thing where yeah. he's like someone's like Carol explained it and he goes, No. Well, so <laughs> I imagine the four, I imagine the three, four, five hour version of the movie actually would explain it, release the Lynch cut. Um <laughs> but uh it's not there in the movie. And and the reason that I <sighs> 
I think the movie would be watchable if it were longer because you can tell that they cut into the middle of scenes that are ongoing multiple times during the movie. I noticed that more rewatching it for this. Like they cut into the uh the death of um uh Dr. Uwe um like mid scene. Like you can tell that there was an entire sequence there and then they just cut to the like He's two like, minutes Hello, before he died. I'm here. Ooh, I've died. And then like, Yes. And then He's like, you want like, to join your wife? Died anyway. Yeah. Exactly. And it just keeps on moving. And that happens multiple times where you're like, why are we cutting in middle in the middle of a scene? I don't understand this. Did they really need to cut that much time? Um and I guess that they did. They really needed it to be two hours because and it just completely ruins the flow of the movie. Um, many movies in recent years have been ruined by editing in the same ways. And this was just like aggressive. Are, are you telling me um, Warner Brothers of all yeah. studios? <laughs> well, okay. So it's important. It's important to point out this, the original Dune was a De Laurentiis production. Connor. Mm-hmm. Um, Kale. 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 Um, and he was, to be fair, he was a producer of all of Lynch's early work. He's the reason Blue Velvet exists, so I don't want to shit on him too hard. But he could have stood up for David and been like, no, let it be longer. Um, because uh, the two-hour runtime just does not work. There are so many moments where it's like, you need to let that concept breathe a little bit. You need to let the introduction of Stilgar be more than a moment before he's suddenly fighting Man, Jessica. What a fucking piece of wood that guy is. <laughs> Holy shit. Well, and Hunter, I don't again, think he made it as far to meet Stilgar, but like this dude, it's, it's one of the, it's one of the Twin Peaks actors too. I can't remember his name. It's but, Ed. Um, it's yeah. Ed. I don't yeah. remember his also real notable life from, the, from the people yeah. under the stairs. So you're like, that guy yes. has range. Um, yes. mm-hmm. and then he shows us this movie. He's like, "Hello, I am Stilgar." Oh no, she has pregnant pause looks everywhere, mm-hmm. the weirding way to no reaction whatsoever. Because you're like, I don't know what the fuck that is. <laughs> you haven't explained it well at all. It's just like, and I made this joke in the chat. So many sad David Lynch regulars and Twin Peaks actors, where it's like they know that they can do better, and they know they can do better with him. But they're just stuck there being like, I was an eraser head and now I'm doing this. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so sorry. (laughs) For me, imagine like a like a like a 1930s, like like big time, like new Hollywood star going like I was an eraser head. (laughs) For me, like I saw I saw Dune Lynch's Dune when I was probably like eight or nine. So, like, it mm-hmm. left the indelible mark on me, and I'm realizing, because my wife and I just rewatched it, like, probably a month ago. Well, she had never mm. seen it before. This is my first, this oh, first time for her. Yeah, yeah. she said, I think her uh, her response was, I tried to watch the whole thing, sweetie. Um, <laughs> but, we did, too. <laughs> <laughs> but I feel like the stuff that I remember the most are some of, the, like, just the lines that you remember from that movie, like the slow blade penetrates right. and, like, you know, the... Uh, yeah. Oh, we've this is Wormside that not even God has seen. Like it, that's <laughs> I, that's the type of stuff of, that sticks with me. Some of the exchanges yeah. to me are like when the shield wall goes down. Like it's six guys run through a trench. They go the house shield, the house shield, the house shield is down. The house shield, the house shield, <laughs> and they all just blow up. Like yeah, 
Yeah, well, it feels that's... more like something yeah, that I would see like Mike and the robots just shit on for an hour and 45 minutes. <laughs> like <laughs> it's got that level of like just it, it, it can be riffed so effectively in just minutes with minimal effort. And the internal really monologues can. are fucking hysterical. <laughs> they are. They're really bad. And like moments like they do this big introduction for the Beast Raban and he does nothing in the movie. He like hey, throws hey, a man hey. off a bridge he, and he eats some he chicken. A line. And then the Baron <laughs> he walked squeezes up and his face. Off a cow or something? Yeah, that's it. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, while the Baron was floating around in his repulsors. My yeah. God, dude! The f- okay, the fucking Baron. Um, <laughs> like, like, he's a fu- he's what people think James Bond villains used to be, like just this just tackling idiot, <laughs> <laughs> like twirls his manager, and then like at some point the Beast also was joining in on the fucking villainous cackling, like. Oh, okay, and fade. Um. <laughs> Like when he, man, Hunter. I sometimes I, I wish you had the endurance to make it to the specific. <laughs> <laughs> like that scene you're talking about, where like he's just zipping around that room, screaming to himself in his repulsors, and like, and then this, he's this cross stream of like steam jets and shit, like stops to unveil Sting as Fade in just this winged crotch piece who just stands uh-huh. there, and the Baron just like I <laughs> fucks him from across the room. And then gets he's like fade like it's that's when I fucking turn the movie off. Fade, bring <laughs> them to me. Fade. I will send beautiful fade and um. Well, yeah, in the book, um, the Baron is famously interested in little boys. Okay, like right. that's, context I really needed when he attacked yeah, the flower planting not, kid uh-huh. in that room. <laughs> yep, he's he's all about it, the little I mean, boys. It, yeah, and it makes it makes sense when you know that in during the flower planting scene, but like they do nothing to set that up. They don't, no, don't give not at you all. any sense of that. Not at all. Um, like not even him saying like something uh, that's he slightly. Even, he doesn't even vocalize like a thought. He's not like yes that mm-hmm. one you know or something like that. Like it's a it's a shot of this kid trembling. It's honestly fucking horrifying. It's like kids like hand is trembling he's putting mm-hmm. the flower pot in like baron's just licking his lips by the way the whole mm-hmm. skin treatment thing can go the fuck out the window <laughs> oh that that was my made up god for the movie. of course it is like it's mm-hmm. the it's the lynchian shit in this movie that i really can't mm-hmm. stand like that that really hurt it because i'm like you didn't have to be that gross and weird and it it just it helps nothing like what was the weird vagina monster in the beginning it just feels, like, it just feels obvious that was yeah. that was a navigator and well like, yeah i would no because i was like doing some reading about uh navigators and like most of the time they're described as like having elongated limbs because they're bathed in spice and water all the time mm. so their bodies have changed drastically right. from the excess and one second sorry i had to sneeze um there's a there was one description of them that said like, you know, some of the long-term navigators have like a, a V for a nose and like, you know, their skeletal structures change drastically. So I think oh, so what it, it was just be these, like featureless lumps because their, their physical like surroundings right. and mo- method of uh, moving around has changed so drastically. Like, yeah, I mean, this they was like, make right. it a fucking sucking yeah. monster. And I don't know, give it a big old eye. Or well, something. Make it look like the baby so from the racer. I understand making yeah. it more like, 
Yeah, I understand making it kind of like aquatic, kind of, because it makes sense if you're navigating space. Um, that that checks out to me. You know, it's like a there's a detail in Star Trek: The Next Generation where they have a part of the ship called Cetacean Ops, which is dolphins that help them navigate through space, and they are official officers of Starfleet. Nice, um, nice. Did not nice. know that. It's fucking awesome. <laughs> so like. Yeah, um, so, like, the Navigators being less humanoid and being kind of, like, fish-like, okay, I, I can jive with that. And we and you see one of the Navigators, like, floating through, like, a thing to get to the space where he helps them navigate. Yeah, but I think they just went time. really weird. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah you it's don't just, say. Like, really strange oh, they're gonna the fold way that they did it. I think they're going to fold space because nobody in the scene told me they're going to fold space. <laughs> in the scene they're going to fold space. <laughs> I'm not sure about that. <laughs> I didn't know. And then Paul going. Jurgen now is really trying. Oh my God. Okay. Here's the thing. Really His performance trying. is so alarming to me because he doesn't act like a man who cares about his family. He <laughs> acts like a man who's going to leave a planet with his son and come back without him. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he's like, hello, my great son, Paul. Many things for you. I'm going to leave you out in the woods system. and you're either going to come back or not. Yeah, or he's gonna murder him and not tell anybody. Like he's he's like, "Hello, my beautiful, grand, <laughs> smart son." Looks off in the distance, cracks a an empty, soulless smile. Looks back, like. <laughs> well, I, one of the crazier things that like with the Lynch version is how old do you think Paul is supposed to be in the books? Yes, young. He's fifteen. That's what I thought. I imagine his way of life for like Leto Atreides started when he was like a fucking teenager. So yeah, I'd imagine that Paul was the same way. He was the same age as Timothy Chalamet when he started his YouTube channel. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Sick ass controllers, dude. And he looks like he's about to. Yeah, he looks like he he wants to bang Rebecca Ferguson. Clearly, that's that's something we're all thinking. um but no i the the point i it's just life the point Uh, i wanted to get to with uh mentioning the the memes that have grown up around the movie are great (laughs) (laughs) the point i wanted to get to about paul being 15 in the uh, books and uh in the newer one essentially is that if you look at the lynch version like like their version of Paul is actually like a 30 year old, but he still has the mind of a 15 year old. It makes it more interesting off the energy of a guy who never left home. It yeah. is like, it's my turn to be the military man. Now mom mm-hmm. said, like, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I like the idea that this is all just a big show for him because he's a sweetly retarded child. Yeah. <laughs> he's just, yes. Yeah. It's yeah. module day. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he wasn't actually on Arrakis. He was cool, in the sand pit. training, my favorite thing. Yeah. yeah. I don't want to, I'm not in the mood. Yeah, he's like, uh, he's like Robin from Game of Thrones, but like, worse. Um, <laughs> um, oh God. And it's really weird because it, for anybody that hasn't seen the movie Blue Velvet, when you watch that, Kyle MacLachlan feels like he's 10 years younger than he is in Dune, and he's two years older. Um, yep. so just for some context there, like the, the way that he's playing it in the movie just does not work for Paul. Um, considering like the respect I have for him as an actor, it's just like completely wasted in that movie. This movie does um, a lot of people, there's so a lot of people a disservice and that's kind of incredible and fascinating. Um, also yes. I want to point out that Kyle McLaughlin's hair 
was just growing in size over the course of the duration of this movie. Like it's just, Great. it starts off like as this simple kind of like quaffed, like and you're like, that's large, just, but fine. Yeah. And then by like the halfway point, you're like, I think it's becoming sentient. Like it's just, it's dominating the space it's in. Like it's, it's ridiculous. Oh, so <laughs> since you didn't get to the last half hour, Connor, and you definitely didn't see this hunter, like you don't get to see the point where he's riding the back of a sandworm and the wind is blowing his hair. Oh, back. I remember that visual from the first Why? time I saw it. Like, cause that's okay. where, because that's how even, even the, uh, the first, time i watched it like i walked away going there's a lot of close-ups of common glocker going spice like <laughs> must flow <laughs> well hunter how far did you make it into the movie 20 minutes <laughs> wow and i tapped out wow so you barely got past the opening monologues about what's yeah. going on uh, you barely got past princess erlewan who opens the movie telling you this huge lore dump and just mm-hmm. yeah uh, I hate the narration. I also hated the inclusion of, and I'll say why in a second, but like the inclusion of the entire imperial assassination plot of this giant family and military establishment and like, you know, a human colony is bullshit because you're like, oh, all right. Thanks for laying out the tension for me, guys. Um, As opposed to what the new one did, which is if you're even like, you know, a hint unfamiliar with it, you go and you're like, Oh, cool! The Atreus house—they look fucking cool. We're getting this planet. All right, cool. Wow, the Harkonnens are our Harkonnens are scary, fucking terrifying. And Stellan Skarsgård sounds like a monster. Um, yep. and, and Batista's uh, there. Holy Drax. shit! Wow, <laughs> they just fucking assassinated every one of these people. It there was a payoff to that tension. And this like this yeah. fucking vagina slug face monster shows up, and it's like the house of Atreides, and the Emperor's like, yeah, gonna kill him. Yeah, oh, that's uh, that's. Like mm-hmm. in the book, it's it's one of those things where there's constantly like kind of war games between the different giant houses. And since Atreides won this last one against the Harkonnens, they get to take over Arrakis. The thing is, like, it's supposed to all be, you know, above board, but everybody is making money on the side off Arrakis, like including the Emperor. And that's why he wants to have... uh Leto killed because if he goes there he's going to try and turn it into an honest planet and, and everybody's going to lose their money so that's that's yeah. the reason why in the like a book mob hit. kind of yeah yeah and like yeah. the emperor even says like in the book he even says like you know he he likes Leto he thinks he's a great man he wishes he was his son but he's fucking with his money but don't fuck don't fuck this up for me boy exactly yeah, yeah exactly. and this the emperor's like yeah. he, this thing just like interrogates him and he's like, yeah, totally going to do it. Why? When? How? I'll tell you. And then just lays out his entire nefarious plan to this fucking slug monster and things like, yeah, totally kill Paul Atreides. I'm like, all right, cool. And then like that happens like two or three more times where like characters walk in the scene and just kind of tell you what they're going to do in 10 minutes. And then in 10 minutes, they do the thing. Mm hmm. Well, because they told you they were going to, so they have to. Of course, they have. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. exactly. They're, yeah, they're people of their words. Yeah, it's, yeah. yeah. Um, I, I think we, I think we've mostly like done the big evaluation of the older movie. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's basically it. Like, it's a lot of the same story. Like, the plot isn't the problem with that movie, mm-hmm. to, to say the least. I think, dare um, I say it has too much, or, or too little? I can't tell. Mm-hmm. 
it's really I, just like the execution and the way that it's just played out and it's just yeah, yeah. yeah the performances don't do it any service um Mm-hmm. No, but well, and some of them are just some of them are just off. They're just wrong. <laughs> they're just they're just incorrect. It's like you're playing that wrong. I, you know, uh, Doctor Uwe is really like my biggest example. <laughs> where Dean, um, Stan- Dean Stockwell, Stockwell, great yeah. actor, fantastic. Yeah, like he's been in fantastic things. He's he's had great roles in the past. He does not work. <laughs> he does Mm-mm. not work as the character. His entire performance, his entire betrayal of Atreides just does not play well. Oh, but Versus he's got a little mustache. movie that came out. Um, where it's like, I, oh, I understand why you're betraying them. You're playing this perfectly. I, under, I understand every choice here. And oh, when yeah, he I, died I in the new one, movie, I was like, yeah. wow, I felt it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Just, I also yeah. could not stand this interpretation of the Mentats. Like, I'm like, this is dumb and also lynching and silly, and it's not working at all. Like, all these like weird balding eraser head yeah. guys with these diving board uh, eyebrows, and like the one I the who was the the one we were talking about earlier, uh, the um, Ufer Hewitt. Ufer, like that guy's performance is like, mm-hmm. we keep finding more sabotages. Like he's just like a fucking he's an idiotic bulldog mm-hmm. half the time who's just kind of mm-hmm. you know. Delivering his lines, these big, you know, puffed out cheeks, um, and just like, and then Brad Dourif right, is there like, to like. No really wonder you guys lost. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> this is like, your guy. Oh, no wonder you died. <laughs> no wonder you failed. You no know wonder. Like, yeah, no wonder we fucking like, This is the guy watching your ass. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they did a job of representing. And, yeah, and then Brad Dourif is there as one of the men tasked to just like to just really make things weird, um, in the way that only Brad Dourif can. Um, mm-hmm. Also, <laughs> the way he kills Doctor Uwe is fucking hysterical. Like it's just <laughs> he stabs him with a knife, and it sounds like he pops a balloon. Like yep. <laughs> out of the air out of Doctor Uwe, he's like. Ugh! Oh, he had to go do Quantum Leap. You know, he couldn't. And, he couldn't a, and a movie with right. with uh, with a certain Baldwin brother who's been in Movie Dumpster three times now. I believe. Oh no! Yeah. Mm. I can't imagine which one. Again, also in Blue Velvet. Um, yeah. Yep. Great movie. Yeah. Great movie. Yeah. Great film. Yeah. But Dean yeah, Stockwell, I guess... Great moment in that movie. Um, wasted speaking in this movie. Of, <laughs> speaking of great movies, I think we should move on to uh, 2021 Dune. Because I mean, we could go on yeah. forever and ever about yeah. the '84 Dune, but um, it's just yeah. Yeah, uh, so we I could. did watch this. I watched this movie on the uh, the big brand new awesome TV. Um, mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. this movie does some it's like outstanding things in terms of visual effects and just putting something there that looks fucking weird, um, but mm-hmm. also mind-numbingly realistic and detailed and realized and just like this universe yeah. is so just it's they, they, it's lived in and flawlessly yeah. done like i don't think there's mm-hmm. a scene that took me out of the fucking movie nope no but yeah i want to i want to add on to that though at the same time there are these moments where it's like they're they're doing they're doing 2001 here i don't know what they're doing exactly to evoke the 2001 but they're doing it and i love it because i love 2001 um and like specifically like, like the navigator ship and the way that that looks yes. in space 
and like just just the look of it and the way that it feels like if it, it again it's the thing of it feels like a 70s or 60s sci-fi book cover on screen in all of the best possible ways from the coloring to the shading to uh, I don't know what I don't know what the effects team did here I don't know if they broke out old school models and put that on screen um or if they just did really hard work to make it look like that old school special effects stuff that stuff really worked for me and it had that balance of that like insane um like starkness and um monolithic uh, features grandeur yeah 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 exactly. yes absolutely and this like gravity to these visuals while at the same time having, having what you guys are talking about the sense of lived inness and the sense of like this is a sci-fi world that i feel like i could walk through and I wouldn't be completely lost. It's like um, how the Star Wars series kind of became known for like looking like shit. Like it's just everything, <laughs> everything is dirty and dingy except the Imperial stuff. Like all that stuff is always pristine and kind of like it's dark, but it's always clean. But like like everything on the hero side or planets all looked like dusty and dingy or it was like these sprawling metropolises. And like mm -hmm. this is like, like we said, they've come so far that everything feels scaled back. And like it's almost like a, what was that brutalism? I think it was where like everything is just like it's the designs mm. are more like no, this is functional and also it looks fine. But brutalism it, is is control to a T. Yes, all of the design yes. in that is brutalism. Yeah, yeah. Um, where it's like it's like that's a shit, but like it's basically just like a fucking pebble with an opening in the front. Like that's all it looks like, but it's yep. fucking mesmerizing. Cool. Yeah. It, well, it's it's. Yeah, it's I think design. it's the idea that they're breaking down like everything to its easiest and most component form, where it's just like, yeah. all right, we need we need to travel through space. It doesn't have to have crazy wings and all this other stuff on it because most of us are just going to be in pods anyways. So let's just do mm -hmm. this as quickly and easily as possible. And except, that... I do love the choice to make their like actual like. Uh like drone ships like mm -hmm. make them fucking dragonflies yeah, yeah the, and the ornithopters <laughs> or whatever well yeah the ornithopters yeah that was that was something i was saying to my wife is like it would make sense if if man had like rebelled against machinery like that they would look to nature for what they're going yeah. to build and honestly like something with six wings instead of just two rotors would probably stand up much better in the desert yeah six wings that all have yeah. that, that can move independently and do different things mm -hmm. like you're gonna you know you have a ch far better chance to stay in the air um and, th and they even show you how useful that ship is like when you're there instead yep. of free fall um yep. which is like funny i think of like an x-wing i'm like there's no benefit to having that especially when you can just fly them with the regular wings <laughs> well or, well in in space you don't and then yeah in space. but yeah yeah you don't but need anyways. those yeah yeah, but yeah, like, it opens up and there's two more lasers. Like that's just it would be smarter to just have like rigs that you attach onto it when you need to go onto a planet that, that, mm -hmm. that attach when you don't need them. Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah. I, the design choices were honestly pure perfection, and that's um, that's definitely what I was coming into expecting. Yeah, was I just also beautiful design. Love the Absolutely. design of the um the colony on Arrakis because it looks like. It looks metallic, but also looks like someone just hit a fucking mountain with a laser and just carved yeah. this settlement into the fucking surface of the planet. It looks awesome. Yeah. And that yeah. one long shot of them just going over the whole thing, I'm like, it looks like it was etched like by fucking aliens. It looks so goddamn good. And then when you get an idea of the interior, that 
design also jumps out again because you're like, oh, this you can't be outside at a certain point because the fucking heat will just kill you. Mm -hmm. Um, so like it has to be something that's essentially a subterranean settlement that's just basically part of the ground. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's kind of a giant part of what I loved. Part of what I loved about that is that like. Not to go back to the Lynch version too much, but that one feels like modern human stuff or like medieval castles. A lot of it. This is like, well, like we were saying earlier, we've got, we've circled back in certain places to things that are older. So we've gotten back to pyramids and like these very basic designs that are kind of better in certain ways than what we have now. So I love that it's like a like a pyramid design, like just an elongated pyramid. And like you said, the way that the walls are built, the way that windows have like Mm. multiple feet before the sun can even get inside to like cut down on heat. It's just so clever. Um, But it also looks cool as hell, which is, it reminds uh, me of old like Pueblos, like those, it's like those uh, like houses that are like built into the fucking mountain or something like that. It's basically made of clay. Mm hmm. Yeah, well, it's it's the idea that having something like that as your foundation or at least a part of your base to your house is when it gets hot, it'll keep the house warm. When it gets cold, it'll keep the house cool. So like in the summer, you'll have kind of interior air conditioning and having it built in a valley like that, like they did in Dune, would make total sense. Yeah. It would also help conserve water because yeah, being absolutely. in a lower point. It's, yeah. Um. And mm. uh, acting wise, man, I don't think there's a fucking like we even said. Jason Momoa is in this movie, and Jason Momoa is like he's just he's being just, himself. He's just really? like he's just awesome. I don't know how to describe it. Like he's just this giant fucking like massive teddy bear. of te- yeah Hawaiian teddy bear. <laughs> um, yeah. and like everyone else is giving these stoic Shakespearean fucking performances, and they're like they're monologuing, and like he walks up and he's like fist bumping people he's like hey brother what's up hey, hey, hey hang out with these cool people call the friend and they're kind of fucking awesome and they're just fucking- <laughs> which i like i like the way that that plays in the movie if i had to pick like a thing i don't like that would be it like him and liet Keens, they don't feel like they're in the same movie but i think it works in the course of the movie that for like the fremen and people who have spent time with the fremen to be a little bit more natural um you also get the sense of like a class divide with Duncan Idaho, uh, which I, which I like. Um, Gurney is also a little bit less Shakespearean and uptight. Um, so like, I, I think that it's a choice, but I think it works. And I think that you can find character reasons for why well, I'll some tell of them you, feel different. I'll tell you why Gurney also works because Josh Brolin walked in and someone said, Hey Thanos. He said, what? And then never left that mode. Um, <laughs> and like, I don't know what it is about Josh Brolin's performance as Thanos, but it is evergreen. Um, it's menacing, uh, captivating, and just super interesting every time I hear him do that voice. Because like, it's not just the voice; like his persona kind of comes out of that fucking purple CGI blob. Um, and like, he manages to do that like mm-hmm. in this movie. Like, it's just it's just part of his fucking character and nature. Like, Josh Brolin's just a cool ass dude who comes off as like. Like, yeah, I can crack jokes yeah. and, you know, be sarcastic. Also, I'll snap both of your arms and use your fucking bones as toothpicks. Like, yeah, you really need to watch Sicario then. Yeah, yeah, it, I, yeah, yeah. yeah. no, you would. Like, Sicario is like the polar opposite, but it's so good. It's Sicario it, about Josh Brolin can turn on the first bro, but he can turn on like the military, like uptight stooge very easily as well. 
Um, and his ability to go back and forth is unparalleled. He's um, someone I didn't yeah. really appreciate in the last like decade or so. I'm like, God, he's so fucking good. Mm. Um, I remember him being excellent in No Country yeah. for Old Men, and that was kind it was of really was fun like, to see the. Uh, yeah, see the transformation. We got a re- we got a little reunion there. Uh, on that note, oh With shit, who? that's right. Oh my dude, you cover Javier Bardem in a big enough beard. Oh, I don't fuck. see him. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, yeah, you're right. And it just yeah, it's a, yeah, yeah. Well, just just how much like when Javier Bardem showed up, like I was like, oh shit, oh shit, I didn't, I forgot that Stilgar is here because it, I didn't think about him being yeah. Javier Bardem when I saw him. It was just, oh, who's this? Who's this? Like yeah. fucked up Fremen. Who is this? Who is this blue eyed, mostly beard, mostly muscle, uh, just like <laughs> tanned face man with a voice that could just fucking make my guts rumble. My God. Um, yeah. Javier Bar, I don't know where yeah. uh, he was manufactured, but he's a terrifying man. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I forgot he was in this movie all, all together. And like, I love that his first thing he does when he shows up is just spit on the fucking floor. Um, mm-hmm. God, he's so good. Also, the guy who plays so ja- Jamis? Jam- one which who, one? The mm-hmm. one who has to fight uh, 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 Paul. Paul at the end. Yeah. That oh, guy yeah, the one that we're really like misled like a... about by the visions. Yeah. Yes, which I also thought was fantastic because it reminded me of um it reminded me of uh Valhalla Rising from uh Refn and how mm-hmm. that character has like mm. precognition, but like you're always like the context is so garbled and devo- and you know missing that you can't really tell what the fuck is happening until it does. And this you're like, oh spoilers. Oh no. Like <laughs> Well, yeah, I, lo- I really love that. I feel that. like some I mean, of the things are going to happen, thing, but... and then some of the things that are, Paul is seeing yeah. and then finds opportunities to change. I guess and, and no, what I was going to say was mm-hmm. uh, I'm completely wrong on because I was I was mistaken because uh, something that I don't know if they'll they'll tell you about in the second part of this, but uh, Johnny's dad in the book was Leah Keynes because Leah Keynes was a guy, right? But I'm wondering if they'll do the same thing and say that Lee Keynes was her mother. Because that was Probably. in the books. In the books, like, he... And they actually did kind of cover this in the Lynch version. Like, they had gone native, basically. Like, they were the ones... Mm-hmm. Like, uh, Lee Keynes was the one working with the Fremen on, like, how to terraform uh, Arrakis back into a forest planet. Oh, shit. Yeah, and, like, in the book, like, Lee Keynes was was kind of a godhead for them initially because you know it's this person who came from outworld and adapted to their ways and taught them how to do all these other things so like paul coming in as the actual godhead is kind of a point of contention initially so he's like and, a part of messiah yeah kind of yeah, yeah yeah okay because like mm. even in the book there's a point where like like paul is just kind of like listen it, it it's cute what you've been doing but we both know what i am and like the Keynes just kind of defers to him after that when he realizes what Paul is. Right. Yeah. Dude, I've been yeah. raised by um, a bunch of fucking by some Jedi. Okay. Like through generations, as opposed to going like, <laughs> this is the one we got him on this desert planet. He's it. Stop the whole fucking front. Stop the whole process. 
Oh yeah, you know, it's it's yeah. the difference between like, oh, you know, this guy seems like he could be what we need, and then it's like, oh, the thing of prophecy is actually here. All right, yeah, it, well, fuck and, you. And I love I love this right. this prophecy or like you know like you said how it's like it's like this this story also about how like pro- prophecies are bullshit, but like if there's one prophecy you could try to sell me on, it's like, oh, this generations long uh uh gambit uh you know or a cabal of fucking uh, psychic witches have been <laughs> plotting and working on this for decades like oh it's working no shit yeah. like, <laughs> well so, i mean you're you're just hitting on things that i loved about this i know for a fact that like that's not a thing that's in the first story usually that's a thing that's revealed later um and i love the fact that they were like no we're just gonna tell you that now I like, love that Paul is not just a story. Not just a chosen one, like, but he's such yeah. an extra chosen one that someone's like, "Yo, can we keep him around?" Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that's the Did thing. We fuck I've, up. That's the thing uh, I always yeah, love about the the Dune books Do is not that kill like, him. Yeah. like the first book is is like what you expect for like the first book of a science fiction series, and then the second book is like. All right, motherfuckers, you wanted more with Paul. Guess what? And then it goes off into weird, weird <laughs> places from then on. It's like, yeah, we wanted to just kind of kind of rope you into this. And now we're going to hit you with like the not hard sci-fi because it's not like technology and whatnot. But you know what I mean when I say hard mm-hmm. sci-fi? They're like, oh, no, here's some concepts you probably can't even, con- you yeah. can't even oh, deal with. So we were, yeah. we were talking about design. I want to go back to this because mm-hmm. you just made me think of it. Um I don't know if uh, Villanueva um, has ever played <laughs> or seen a Warcraft game, but he was giving me Warcraft vibes at the entire thing. And that might be because Warcraft probably does borrow from Dune. I, I can't imagine that it doesn't. Um, but like, uh, you mean just, Starcraft or do you mean Warhammer? I'm sorry. Oh, sure. um, Warhammer. Oh. There we go. Yeah, I said Warcraft. Wow. Um, um yeah, it very different. Warham- I think it they're drawing Warhammer 40k like, um, vibes. Not in design so much. It's as like, like Dungeons and Dragons and Lord of the Rings. Like it's it's. I think it's a similar situation there, where it's like, yeah, they took a lot of their basic lore from that. I would assume, but the thing is that like there were so many super influential sci-fi things for Warhammer to draw from. Um, yeah. Yeah, it was yeah. one of the first. Um, things but I, I think thought yeah, of I think you're saw, right. Like the whole the military sense. regalia and how like that's kind of like like it, like the military way of life is like I wouldn't say it's religious, but like it is just how they live. And I was like, yeah, this kind of gives me like this weird like elitist mm-hmm. kind of I wouldn't say fascist, but like kind of an extreme version of this. Um, and then like the idea of an emperor and all kinds. Well, of Well, it stuff is and it is very like, Roman. Like yes, yeah. Like the the and fact that, that the Sardaukar are this separate army that is their own thing, and that everybody has their own army in a very like feudalistic way, and like the Sardaukar are known by other armies as like these like elite killers, and like you know Jason Momoa has that line, you know when you fought a Sardaukar, um, or something like that, or you know when you've crossed blades with them, um, like all that bit. stuff, like the way that it tells you something about the world building through that. And uh, we get like one scene of them before they're in action. Um, hamburger, uh, hamburger but I love that. It's just the dialogue. Big Mac. So good. Um, and I love well, that. It's just like a scene with him and Piter. Yeah. Yeah. That's the uh, thing with Sadakar was that like they're, 
raised on a prison planet and trained by like the greatest military mind. So like, yeah, they are the, they are the elite, like basically army for hire, although they kind of imply that they're the emperor's personal goons. They reminded me of space Marines from Warhammer specifically, Mm -hmm. where it's like the empire Mm -hmm. has its personal personal army, uh, you know, hand of, you know, military might that he sends out to deal with problems. Um, and then, like the idea of like separate military factions, like I was th- like a saying, the Chaos Marines. But like, this is it's just the first thing that popped in my head when all this stuff was kind of coming along. Um, but uh, man, the Sardacore are cool and terrifying for reasons mm-hmm. I cannot explain. I don't know what it is. <laughs> I think it's the quiet way they drop down, um, like but just like those propulsors, mm-hmm. uh, the way all their voices have been modulated to hell and back, which is another thing I didn't really expect from this was to have like some low key horror elements and some of the stuff like the voice is creepy as shit mm-hmm. um, well, yeah i mean i think they're, well, i think they were definitely trying to translate the whole fact that yeah. these things are like built to kill yeah exactly and yeah. I, I wouldn't i wouldn't like, i wouldn't say that denny started off as a horror director but i would say he was horror adjacent in his early movies i mean um, enemy is not a fun time <laughs> no it's not <laughs> It's not a fun time. No, it's not an, an anxiety-ridden movie. Um, <laughs> watch it ever again. And he under <laughs> he understands how to like make something just wrong <laughs> to make something just feel not I, right. And like so, like everything it's, it's from the Sardaukar's entrance behind the Atreides troops to like them just like sneaking up on Liet Keens and just like ah, oh, it's all so good and like. That that moment when they're on the smaller ornithopter and you're just waiting for them to like come out of the shadows and they don't is it's one of the best fake outs, but like really tense moments in a movie I've 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 ever seen. Yeah, and that um, one shot of them yeah, descending yeah. into that sand Stuff pit like that. where it's like really there's no sound and they're just like yeah. they're just slowly one by one mm-hmm. dropping into this pit like like they have all the time in the world and that's why I think they're fucking scary. Um because yeah. their patience at murder is uh uh and then on that, yeah. Um, and then also, on that, I love the way that, that that I love the way that that sets up the Fremen. Also, I love the way that that yeah. like establishes that the Fremen are also fucking badass because oh, yes. they're just waiting for is, them. Yes, because like the Fremen are sitting there bullshitting. They're like they're they're kind of they're playing with this like water device and like they're bullshitting. And then like they start the Sardaukar start dropping in, and you don't see the Fremen first. And when it cuts back, they're just gone. They left one thing. And after we've just seen the Sardaukar like walk through the entire Atreides family like it was a Sunday afternoon, um, and like they walk up and then there's just this splash of sand and the Fremen are kicking yep. the shit out of these guys. Well, yeah, and I'm glad they established yeah. that relatively early on because like that's something that in the books you find out later is like Fremen Fremen have a pretty easy time with them because like yeah the Sardaukar are like trained by the military and empires, but like the Sadakar live in the wild and like they've trained themselves over yeah, generations. Like, the, like this is, it's a, it's, you know, wrong neighborhood motherfucker. Um, mm-hmm. It's very much that. Cause the friend are like, no, you guys don't <laughs> have what we have, which is like, we own this planet. You have no idea what you walked into. Mm-hmm. Um, and I got, I love that. And also just in comparison again, like man, Duncan Idaho in the 84 version is such a fucking disappointment compared to this. Because <laughs> Man, he walks in he's like hey paul ah, and just fucking just dies um well man, i feel like jason moe gets two last stands like mm-hmm. i feel like uh 
And I feel really sorry for the actor from 84 because he's he's in a million things from like the 70s and 80s. And he's just like nothing in that movie. He's absolutely insignificant. Well, I feel (laughs) like they made Duncan Idaho in the 2021 version so like likable is in case this did go over like Mm -hmm. gangbusters, because I'm sure they'd explain to Jason Momoa like... Hey, if this does really well, how do you feel about the next six movies you're in, like or seven, <laughs> being like Dune movies? Because yeah, Duncan Duncan comes back a whole lot, a whole lot, like over thousands of years. He comes is he, back. Is he an X Men? No. no, he's no, he uh, he's getting, he keeps. So I read about this. He keeps getting resurrected as was it a Gaul? Uh, it's it's a Gola. It's okay. um he's a clone, and like. What happens in the second, the second book is that the uh, Tleilaxu, I think, is what they're called. They're they know how to make clones, and they can also, you know, replace people's eyes, but they haven't quite perfected it yet. So they make them out of they have metal eyes. Anyways, um, oh my god, yeah, uh, the Tleilaxu like have this weird thing when they set up a clone like this because in the second book, Duncan is set up as like a way to kill Paul. Yes. Because um, so what ends up happening is that they're like, you know, they tell Paul from the beginning, this is whoever because he has a different name. I think it's hate. Um, he's he's going to try and destroy you. So they have to offer an out. It's a weird like honor thing. And what ends up happening at the end of Dune Messiah is that um, uh, Duncan's able to reclaim his memories and defeat the conditioning and the whatnot from being cloned. And he just becomes Duncan Idaho again forever for thousands of years after that. That sounds like hell. Yeah. Yeah. He just keeps getting cloned and like different versions of that version of him are getting cloned at different points in his life cycle. So there's like the original version of him that was cloned much later in the book series. And then there's also late or earlier versions of him. So it's just, it's, it's bizarre and all over the place, but yeah, I just, I love the idea that Jason Moe is just like, yeah, man, let's do this. Yeah, totally. Um, imagine the lynching version of all these David <laughs> Duncan Idaho clones. Duncan Idaho, Duncan Idaho, Duncan Idaho, oh Duncan God. Idaho. <laughs> Thankfully, it doesn't start getting that crazy until uh, uh, the second turns into a giant sandworm. Let's, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes, um, yeah, yeah, Paul's, yeah. Okay. yeah, no, yeah, so, things happen. Yeah. So I, I feel like there should be a moment if we talk about the unmade uh what the fuck was his name? Uh, Jodorowsky. Uh, Jodorowsky Dune. Yeah. Um and Jodorowsky, like how yeah. how that was the initial Kickstarter for the idea of like this is unfilmable. Like what you're trying to do here is never going to happen. He also had an insane budget for what, like it was seventy four, seventy five, something like also, that. Was- his designs are insane they're awesome they're awesome but like it's like it's like giving giger like a bunch of lsd and like just giving him like putting my mood stabilizers and going like just draw some shit um well do you know who he wanted to have as a uh, baron uh, harkonnen uh no salvador dali <laughs> okay <laughs> yeah that was that was yodorowsky's original plan for baron harkonnen was to have salvador dali play him okay interesting yeah. um yeah. hunter you can look up uh his like whole uh like concept pitches and like concept art online it is some of the wackiest shit i've ever seen and there's a oh, whole there's, documentary about it yeah 
Yep. Yeah, I was going to mention. It's a great, fantastic mm -hmm. documentary, yeah. The one thing I would love to have from that documentary is his, like, Dune Bible that just had all of his design choices and Mm. most likely the script in there. Huge? Yes. Yeah, it was huge. It was it was like four novels back to back. Like, yeah, it's like amazing. Balance, and I'm glad that you brought that up because, um, mm-hmm. and what's amazing about that book is, and it's something that they kind of glaze over in the documentary, is everybody had a copy of that book, and it was like a book oh that God. people passed around in Hollywood at the time. So, like, oh my God. George Lucas looked at that book at some point while he was writing Star Wars, and he was oh, like, "Oh yes, I remember this," hmm, and was like, "Jesus Christ, like, someone else is doing this." Yeah, and like these things just passed around, and I mean, I know for a fact Ridley Scott got a copy of that book. Um, Dan O'Banion, who worked on that Jodorowsky Dune, ended up working on Alien, and he brought Giger on, who also worked on that version of Dune. Um, yep. And you can find a lot of designs Designs from that Dune in Alien and in Prometheus. All over the place. Uh, yes. Oh, sp- Especially like the, the, um, the um, <laughs> among other things, <laughs> the designers. That's from the Alien oh uh, knockoff, the, um, uh, the, the Asylum Films version of Prometheus. Yes. Coming and decorate your home. Burr, 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 and then they're saying, make it work. Um, um, <laughs> oh, oh my God. Um, In French. <laughs> yes. Well, Hunter, you've been relatively quiet. What did you think of the 2021 Dune? I liked it. it was yeah. Good. <laughs> yeah. No, uh, I liked it a lot. I thought it was like visually very beautiful. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I yeah. I have trouble with like high concept, like understanding high concept sci fi like this. It's I, like to me, I, I I was really enjoying this movie, but I felt like a lot of it flew over my head. Uh, well, I, I think that's the nature of the beast, unfortunately. Yeah, like mm-hmm. yeah. If something I didn't yeah. quite get right away was present, I was like. I'll catch up. Like I, I was yeah, not stressing over right. understanding the deep concepts that were happening. That's the like, thing I like about this movie. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, like but in yeah. the original one, when fucking Baron Harkin is flying around, I'm kind of like, why? Because it's never done for anything other than like, look mm-hmm. at the wacky man zip around the room. The um, big fat man. He, he and, and this, but like this the, the flies, but like, like uh, the... gives me anxiety. I'm so scared of him. Like. <laughs> I never took it as flying, and this one I always saw him like floating because, yeah. and that was creepy because I was mm-hmm. like, apparently someone told me it's because he's obese in the books and so he can't move. Yep. But I I thought it was like he's crippled, so he, he needs that. But that makes it like even mm-hmm. though he's crippled, him floating is like oh I don't want that. Well, go even away. even in the books, like if I remember well, correctly, yeah. it's just go ahead, lived, Eric. He's just lived such a life of opulence. And the repulsor things are something that he needs to move right. around. So he's he's made himself handicapped by yeah. doing that. And that's something else in the book that he talks about is like uh, Raban, like the Beast Raban is supposed to be getting fitted for repulsors at some point. Like he's he's actually mm-hmm. a bit more liked than 
he was in the Lynch version and in this new version. I guess we'll see more of him in the next movie. I's hoping. Okay, if I have to pick something, oh, hi, Leo's here, everybody. Um, uh, our our right. typical mid mid show yeah, guest. Yeah, Leo's here. Um, uh, Batista, I Batista's so goddamn good that not getting enough of what I expected or at least like wanted was a little disappointing. Um, but every time he was on screen, I'm like, God, mm. he's so good at what he does. <laughs> mm-hmm. He rules. Yeah, I'm surprised he did so little as he did. I thought it was really good. I'm curious how much screen time he had in they're... he had in comparison to Zendaya because I know a report came out that Zendaya was only in the mm. first part of Dune for seven minutes. Uh, Chris Tuckman described yeah. Zendaya's role in Dune as like girl from music video. Um, yeah, and that's kind yeah. of what it is. Like, so, I mean, on... her looking at the sand and like kind of the, the sun's mm-hmm. Michael Bay behind her. Um, I wasn't, I mean, I wasn't too upset note, because though, he kept saying I'm not going to be in it, but or maybe I was the only one who saw that. Right. But I remember her saying yeah. that I was like, I'm not in it that much. So, oh, I didn't, I didn't see any of that. I mean, it makes sense based on where they end the movie that she wouldn't mm-hmm. be in it much. But I was just surprised yeah. to see how much of the marketing was pushing her, and it's like, oh, people are going to be kind of bummed out if they don't know this. You know who else should? Uh, yeah, a lot of it was there, louder, yeah. People should listen to him when they say that. Michael Keaton has said he's not going to be in the Flash movie that much, everybody. <laughs> yeah. As well. excited well, as I am, y'all need to chill. Michael Keaton has said a lot of things. Like, he doesn't understand how timelines work. Oh, um, yeah. He basically yeah. Started, not to get on a tangent, but he was like, I know how any of it worked. I just showed up and did my job. Um, but he's also sounds, he's, but he's also like, I loved it and had fun. I just didn't get what we were doing. Um, but, um, <laughs> Yeah, Batista yeah. is kind of in this to sneer and growl, but like it's Batista, so really, I don't know any amount of him. Is he great. still does a fantastic job because he's become a really good actor over the years. Like he's yes. developed as an actor. Like when you hear Arnold Schwarzenegger say, "I've been working to be a better actor for thirty years," you chuckle a little bit and you say, "Sure, Arnold." <laughs> when Dave Batista <laughs> says he's been working to be a better actor, you look at the movies and you're like. Yeah, he, he has. He, he has had a, high, had a faster <laughs> development as a performer in Hollywood than The Rock did, than Hulk Hogan did, than anybody who came yeah. from the wrestling industry who jumped into film has ever. He went from, yeah. I don't remember what the fuck he did first. I don't know if there's anything. He, oh, he went from three. He went from Riddick to Blade 3 to, um, you know, being a a box office guarantee slam dunk with Drax. And then after that, like he was in Blade Runner and then he shows mm-hmm. up and like, he's all over the fucking place. And like no two performances are the same. He's amazing. I can't yep. believe how gifted he is. Yep. He's great. He's fantastic. Which is um, funny. And you skipped over it, but I said Smallville. Um, uh, I'll say it again. I remember that episode. I remember that episode. I was like, I remember, that's the only the, reason the I'm saying is it. Because I do. In. I also remember that one. Yeah. Plug me out of the Matrix. Um, okay. In that episode, he tears people's spines out and he eats them. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. because well, and he almost know. beats Clark, but I think uh, Martian Manhunter just shows up and just like wow. I forget yeah. what he does. Martian he just, like, Manhunter shows up and oh. jobs him immediately. He's like, oh, wow. "I'm here, and you are yeah. fucked." Somehow um, <laughs> we always get to this topic. Uh. Yes, we um, do. Well, with Batista, I feel like once he did Guardians of the Galaxy, like that made some people like, oh, 
shit, like take notice of him. And then when he was in yeah. Blade Runner 2049, a lot more people who probably yeah. wouldn't have even looked at MCU stuff were like, oh, hi, how are you doing? Very large man that actually has oh, great range. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's the 11th Guardians of the Galaxy. He, again, what? he's only in that movie for like 10 minutes at most. But in, he's amazing. In Blade Runner. But he's, he's fantastic as this character who like, spoilers, dies immediately. <laughs> but he's like amazing. He has so much pathos in this one moment. And he's acting against... I've only Ryan seen Gosling, that, who, that, that scene. is the only mm-hmm. part I've seen from that mm-hmm. movie. But I've watched that scene many times, and I'm always catching something about his character so, each yeah, time. Like when he puts the, when he puts the glasses point. away, I also yeah. want yeah. like, to say that like his selection of roles is like like The Rock is like like you just said, Dave Bautista dies in what ten minutes in Blade Runner. Uh, mm-hmm. the, the Rock has never been in a movie where he dies in ten minutes. The Rock has never been in a movie where nope. he's in it for ten minutes. Um, um false. What's that one comedy movie? The other guys. Yeah, he does oh, die in the oh, very beginning right. of that. Okay. But that's like, but that's for a joke. That's he he's a, more yeah. than willing to die for a joke. That's yeah, different. That, like, like, is, um, is, at this point, he's Bruce Willis. Like, you're not going to pay the Rock to show up and and leave the movie at any point. Like, he's the leading man. He's going to survive and and save the day. Right. Um, Batista does what he feels he's good at, and like it pays off in dividends. And like he barely says in this movie. And every time he walks on screen, I'm like, look at the the, the terrifying fucking uh uh. Yeah. uh God damn it! Abominable snowman that's in the armor and cacking people's heads off. I mean, he—he. He, I mean, yeah. uh, on that note, like he's willing to just like cut, cut people's heads off. The Rock would never allow you to see him cut somebody's head off in the way that he does in this movie. Like he's just like brutally killing unarmed men, I, um, which I didn't expect. Yeah. Like he's walking by and like there's just there's it's an out of focus shot, which is going to bring me to another point I want to make about this movie. I really appreciate it. Um. It's an out of focus shot, like there's kind of fire erupting from there. There's these kind of Atreides men on their knees. He walks past them, and you think that's it. Like it's a, it's a, like a, it's a cut in. It's just like this transitional scene. And then he turns around mm-hmm. and just starts decapitating people. I'm like, oh shit. Yeah. Yep. That's another. I love that. I love that so much of the movie is willing to just like show, not tell, which is such an important rule in filmmaking. Some sometimes you don't need it, but most of the time that's how Denny decides to do things. And he mm-hmm. uses it so well in this. We were talking earlier about the Harkonnens and um, Baron Harkonnen. They give you all the information you need. You see, like, things glowing in his back. So you're immediately under the assumption that, well, those glowing things must do something. So when he starts floating, you're like, oh, that's what the glowing things do. That's what the mm-hmm. thing that we saw does. And it's, it's, I love that. I love that approach. And again, not to go back to the 84 Dune, the 84 Dune is like, that's what that thing is. Do you need a demonstration of what that thing is? It's like old school video games where you have to over explain every aspect. But in a video game, that makes sense because it's a video game. <laughs> this is a film. Attached to Jason. I would love that, though. <laughs> that's something else I like about uh, the Baron in the 2021 version is that, like, they're leaving it open for you to find out just how cunning and evil he is. Like, in the Lynch version, he was just, he was a cartoon figure. He was just, he was yeah. a cartoon character, just like, I'm a laughing fat man. He, he, feels more, he feels more like Fat Man from Metal Gear Solid 2. He does. Yes. Well, the other, well the other comparison... The other comparison I love is Kingpin. Um, and I love that comparison so much. He really is like Kingpin. He has that sense of like 
when he's unleashed, when he has the moment where he can kill you, he will destroy you. And mm-hmm. we see just a little piece of it with him in uh, Uwe. And uh, I just, uh, so good. Like, he's so intimidating even when he's eating. Um, and the way that he delivers that line, you have a magnificent kitchen cousin. Uh, as he's like, well, like food into his mouth. he delivers in this movie is soaked in menace and like they mm-hmm. get his voice a little bit and Stellan Skarsgård has a voice that can already be menacing and like he mm-hmm. is just everything he says is just sinister and cold um and then you get a look at him you're like oh god every fast yeah. off-putting and like that one shot of him eating is just like all the food all of mm-hmm. the food is in a semicircle around his face. Like, it's yeah. just, just a fucking gluttonous piece of shit. Um, and the I like that. He's that chewing, like, the slipperiness. Yeah. I, um, yeah, I think you are going to say the same thing I was going to say, Leo. Yeah, that Scar's guy <laughs> said, yo, I want to be naked more times. I want to be naked all the time. <laughs> I, like, I feel way more, more gross and menacing when I'm naked. As, as Darren, or <laughs> well, I think um, all also, men over a certain age feel that way. Uh, yes. yes, I think that too. Also, there's like there are multiple stories of his sons talking about how like we didn't wear clothes when we were yeah. children. <laughs> we oh. just we just walked around the house naked. Wild ass tweeds. <laughs> exactly. Do you think he remembers that scene in Thor two when he's running around naked? They're just like, hey, I guess we'll just shoot this and make it look like he's this character's crazy. But it's just yeah. spies by him. He's, he, he's, he's creepy. Long robe. <laughs> he, he's um he's creepy in a lot of the same ways that Farouk is creepy in the first season of Legion, where it's just like yeah. this very large man doing these unnatural things, just like floating there casually, just like and, completely. And I think it's like, the fact that he's well lit <sighs> and like he's filmed wide. And you can see mm-hmm. all of him. It's just like, why is the you know why is the the fat ghost floating? I hate it. Um, <laughs> I also want to point out, like, there is there was a lot of death in this movie. However, yep. I can maybe recall a few drops of blood, and I thought mm-hmm. that was a really interesting choice to have. Like, literally, almost every death scene be a cutaway, and like it's just like mm-hmm. a chunk and like some squelches, and like you maybe see like a drop of blood, but like. The use of shields was really effective because, like, it, like, that was like video game logic used by a fucking big, like, a major filmmaker. Like, blue means good, red means bad. Um, right. And like, yeah. they use that in place of like, like a, like a squib shot or like blood spatter. Like, if you saw someone glow red, they were either in serious danger or they were dead. Um, mm-hmm. And I also loved Baron getting close to Oscar Isaac, who I was not, exp- I forgot he was going to go out like that. Um, the tooth. Yeah. The, the poison tooth. The tooth. Being naked yeah. and completely unable to move in mm-hmm. a big, empty dining hall was a touch. Um, yeah. yeah. But, uh, and then, like, the very opponent, like, just quite calmly moves his finger and activates his shield in his, in his ring finger. I thought that was awesome. Um, yeah, I was like, oh, nice touch. Nice touch. Yeah. Because um, everyone else was like, on their wrist. But yeah, all the violence was shown off screen and, like, it's not, it doesn't become distracting. And actually, I think it made it. Like I said, Batista's cutting people's heads off. You don't see a single head roll. It's just you're you're walking a guy swagger by, and then suddenly he turns and his hand starts swinging. Your brain fills in the rest. And then like with with Yue, you're like, oh, he's there to get his wife, and he's like, I said I'd free her. You can join her. And then it's like it just it lifts him up, and you're like, oh, well, he's fucking absolutely destroyed. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Well, it yeah. makes I feel like it makes it more effective if you don't have to see 
like every little bit of their entrails coming yeah. out or whatever. Well, like, and then mm-hmm. Duncan Idaho's is the most violent death in the movie and it's barely mm-hmm. anything. And so the one yeah. shot of like the Sardacore blade sticking out of his chest as he's getting back up to kick the shit out of more people worked even better. Uh, that moment is so good. Yeah. He's just. Uh, well, he, uh, I, I realize that, like, I guess I mean, like, when it comes to like those big fight scenes where like everyone's like, if a guy takes out a thousand people, it has to be super violent and like, ah, oh, he's like being taken by thousands. But because of the, the 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 shield, it's mm-hmm. a little more, I guess, not complicated, but a little more uh, specific, I guess. So it's like, yeah, okay, yeah, there you go, nuance. We're like. Yeah, he can't take out everyone, but he's so good. Because to me, like, okay, like, he says the blade has to be slow to penetrate. But how do you do that when you're fighting for your life and taking out multiple people? And for Duncan to be able to um, do that often in in yeah. succession, I'm just like, fuck, it, it, it works. I think if it would be anything else, I'm like, I don't know, maybe my brain is more, t- you know, violent. Well, but I'm like, was... oh, it's not as cool, but here, I was no, like, damn, it works. You know, that I think was... you got a good point. Right. Like, the fact that he... I, I mean, there are little things like the fact that he's a pilot, like the what you need to be a pilot is so important there, like the, the kind of motion that you need to do and like the way that you the precision that you need to have and like all these little aspects where it's like, I believe that he could do that and that he would have the control there despite being in immense pain and just like uh, it's all there in his performance. And yeah, he, he's I think he's doing a great job. Also, in what, the, what those... context of, like, what he does in that hallway, like, kind of becomes, like, I guess, like, you would say, like, maybe an, or, like a myth, because, like, I think the number of Sarkor, I think they believe, like, they say he takes down is, like, no one has ever achieved that yet or since. Like, he takes down, over mm-hmm. like, 19 of these guys, like, in succession, and everyone's like, oh, my, that's fucking unheard of. Oh, yeah, I mean, that's, yeah. that's the other thing that they, they translate relatively well in the new, or in the 2021 Dune, is that, like, the... Uh, the uh the Lido, like his uh what is his house uh atreides um the atreides, atreides like yeah. they are like a badass fighting force on top of being like loved so like they kind of have it all mm-hmm. and that's why everybody's aligning against them um to get back to what you said earlier leo about how like you know it's it's like kind of hard to understand how like you know he can move slow to kill the people but like you know it's he has to he has to be in a quick fight like if you notice when people have their shields up like they can still get like pushed back and like kind of kind of put off balance by being hit hard enough so i think it's just a matter of like he knows exactly what to do to get somebody off balance enough to be able to like slowly put a blade into them or like you know bring the blade up to their neck like because you see that in that hallway fight like he's like stunning a guy while that other guy is stunned and running into somebody he's stabbing the next guy behind him and then killing the guy who was stunned who just ran into the other guy so like it, I might it get Alex and I watch it again on the yeah. TV. also also I think the fight choreography helps a little bit it's mm-hmm. very much like they're not going they're not just slicing super fast like something that nope. happens um and I'll call out Game of Thrones for this specifically because it's the, maybe the best demonstration of this is there are certain fights in Game of Thrones, which I love, but still at the, like the end of a fight when they're just trying to get the scene done, it's just people slashing randomly. It's not people with any form or center to what they're doing. Um, and this every slash has a center to it. There's a sense of this person knows that they have to slow down once they connect to get the person to kill the person to take them out um 
and it's there in the scene. So there are these natural moments where it's not just random, like hack and slash. No. And it's like people precisely positioning the blades so that they can, so they can finish the fight. Well, and and there's, go also, on the person. there's also moments where like, he stops to apply pressure to a certain point. Like I think when he gets yeah. that dude in the ground for like kneeing him across the hallway, like he kneels down to him and, with two hands pushes his blade into him because that's like it's slowly and with slightly more pressure and like you have to like it's, it's patience and knowledge and like all this like this level of discipline that goes into the fight because you have this the element of the shield yep. mm-hmm. yeah. yeah well it's it's, really it's well like done. the idea of of like medieval times and people were wearing like plate armor like there were still yeah. ways to kill somebody while wearing it and i was gonna say mm-hmm. game of thrones every once in a while would show you like oh you can just stab someone like in that weird place where their neck meets their shoulder it's hideous and awful mm-hmm. and painful looking but it did happen <laughs> yeah well i mean that's what an entire character's entire plot is that he's like i don't wear armor it slows me down and i use that to my advantage and that's how he knocks a man out the moon door and so on and so forth Oh, um, on you beautiful bastard yes <laughs> that, that gorgeous gorgeous man um uh just I, like... I think oh i was gonna say before we get too deep back into uh loving jason momoa uh we should talk a little bit about lady jessica oh she's his so meme, though. he put his meme in the movie that's like top 10 you know mm. <laughs> yeah, like his little crawling meme his little crawling meme. i was like yes like, thank you Lady Jessica, she what is that actress's name again? Rebecca Ferguson. She Rebecca was such, Ferguson, yes. she's such a good choice for that role. Like she yes. does it so goddamn what well. A, what and a I, fucking hurricane of a woman! My God. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. Everything like you should watch ex- the Mission Impossible movies, Connor. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. Mission movies just existed where and like it was kind of like when Fast was like getting more popular. I guess again, I was like, what do you mean we're all watching Fast and Furious again? Um, <laughs> that's how I feel about time in Mission Impossible. Um, fair enough. Yeah, but, but they're like, really good, though. Yeah, <laughs> that's why I've heard. They no, and she's. I mean, she's the reason to watch more than Tom at this point. If I'm being completely yep. brutally honest, I am watching Tom to see if this is the one where he dies on screen, and they've just been <laughs> hiding it. Um, <laughs> um, yep. And I'm I'm there for her character because they've they've done such a good job with that character and the way that she fits into that franchise now. Um, yeah, she's so good. I mean, that's the movie where I first noticed her. Um, but this is like such a good use of her as a performer. She has this like real insane intensity to her and everything that she does. It's why she was so good in Dr. Sleep as, mm-hmm. as, as the villain. Oh, that was her. Movie. Yes. Yeah. Where's that was her. Um, Hers oh, was the hat was exceptional, and this is a perfect. This is also just a perfect role for her. Well, it, it's just it's the fact that she can go to things ex- she like, has to have. She can handle a spectrum of extremes like just so effortlessly. Like in mm-hmm. Doctor Sleep, she goes from this fake but very alluring charm to this like this vitriolic rage. Um, yes, and then in this, like she is both like she's a she's a concubine, which is a title I'm not a fan of. Um, because I don't know, mm. it, are they wives or are they just like taken? No, women? they're they're, they're it's, like, it's like a royal thing. Yeah, it's yeah, like they're the, like they're the they're the side women to the the like king or emperor's wives. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and, like, it's um, another example of how we've circled circled back around. But I guess yeah. in this universe, if you're the child of a concubine, you're still technically 
uh, eligible to be you're, oh, well, you're, you're, not, still, you're not a you're, snow or a sand or, or yeah. if you're mm-hmm. if you're a male child at least specifically like with the king and yeah exactly it's not like game of thrones it's like if you're a male child like yeah you have all the rights to the titles and everything else yeah um but i was to say she can she dominates the room uh mm-hmm. most of the movie and then like in a couple sequences like she sells the reverend mother showing up better than anybody else does because like this woman you've seen who has been you know, powerful and motivating and dominating every scene she's been in is now outside the room, just fucking crumbling apart yep. and like trying to put herself back together. Also, the Reverend Mother scene is fucking rad. <laughs> well, that's that was the thing I was surprised by seeing, like the the scene with the Gom Jabbar and whatnot. Like that, Lynch got it right. Like when he did it, like there really wasn't a huge difference in scene other than the acting. Like yeah, it was it's pretty much like, the same thing. I prefer chalmette because like he's got this convincing level of like he's going to fucking explode um yeah. level of agony and then like watching the turn where he suddenly starts channeling it back at her is fantastic and just like i was sucked into that and then like the lynchian one is fine philosophically and like it's hitting mm-hmm. all the right points but then when like <laughs> <Kyle and Lachlan laughs> goes the pain yeah. <laughs> Yeah. It's it's a it, it falls it's a apart. heavy and then the, and in that scene after he says it like the Reverend Mother collapses like she's just climax she's like ah, that's enough what's yeah that was yeah that was their, that was their mutual orgasm scene yeah. yeah yes um I, the Chalamet scene is just like it's stripped back that's what it is it's like mm-hmm. a little less there's not like a big visual effect of his hand in there it's just all in the performance um to what you were saying with Lady Jessica how she's just like almost on the floor, like crumbled over. Um, she's really great. I love that. I love the fact that like there are moments in both versions where they're just like taking things identically from the book. I assume um, like they're just taking moments from the book because yeah. they're in both. So I have to assume they're from the book. Like yeah. Leto's like speech about like, I should have married you, Jessica. It doesn't yep. work in the Lynch version <laughs> because he's just talking as he's walking down a hallway. In this yeah. version, he puts them in the same scene. He has them say the things that they want to say to each other before they they die in the next sequence. Um, and it just works so well. It gives Oscar Isaac this like noble ending and this feeling uh, and, and a respect for that character before he finally passes. Um, and when, you know, by the time you get to that moment where I don't remember exactly what he says before he dies... Um, but when he delivers this line to to the Baron as he leans over, like there's the sense of he didn't lose in quotes. He he still got his last word in. Yeah. Um, and I just love the way that that's played, and her performance and his performance and the way that they play off of each other as parents is just so good. I love the fact that mm-hmm. like when she's like, I w- I need to tell you something about Paul. He's like, I don't care. I don't. It doesn't matter to me. It doesn't matter what you've done to him or what he is or what he's supposed to be. He's my son. And that's all that matters. And the way that they both play that is so good. Um, And I say this uh, knowing that both of them do have the ability to go over the top. They can both choose scenery like the best of them. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it works in Dr. Sleep when she fucking (laughs) when she just starts like chewing on the set for moments. Um, And I've seen him to the scenery where it doesn't work. Um, but they both calibrate it so well. And they're so... 
Perfect. Well, yes. Oh, damn. Damn. That's a good one. That's a good one to point out that most people have seen where it's like, oh, you were doing a thing. It wasn't a good thing. You're acting like someone covered you in purple bullshit and said, act. (laughs) (laughs) While they weren't on set. Um, Well, that's a couple fun side things that uh, might not know. Lady Jessica is Baron Harkonnen's daughter. I knew that. There's something in a wiki about that, and I was like, oh, shit. Yeah. I knew that. that, That's an important plot point for the daughter that they mention uh, in this movie, the unborn daughter. Yeah, Uh, and uh, the other thing is that the woman that might be her mother, It's there's some confusion apparently because it was said it was one person, but later on it got retconned into being, um, oh, God, what's your name? Uh, the, 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 the Bene Gesserit high mother, whatever, uh, that gave oh. Paul the test. Yeah, that's supposed Charlotte to be her mother. Oh, wow. That, yeah, in the in the books, apparently, that's what they came to. I mean, mind you, this was the stuff written by Brian Herbert. Oh, well, so. that, gives, that makes so much I, sense and feels natural. I love that. Though. I would just accept it, yeah. yeah. I, I love yeah. that because of they have a scene together in this movie, and it adds this extra level. I don't know if that was intentional when they were filming it. Yeah, I don't but know. But it does add this extra level of, like, there's a real uneasiness there in that scene and like a, a pre knowledge of each other that is interesting there. Um, I, and when he's, and when he says, yes, we won't kill them or something to that effect, like it, it plays well. It, there's an interesting, like a uh, reaction that he has to her scolding. Um, fascinating. I, I forgot about that. What the fuck is up with the, uh, the, what's called the Be- the Benny Jesserits? The Benny Jesserits. The Benny. Because so many people, yeah. so like Conan and everyone else, are like, <laughs> uh, they're like, yeah, we wouldn't, we won't, we won't, like, we don't want to cross you or whatever. Like they keep saying, or like they're, I don't know, like what okay, are they? So I mean, they're, you, you, you to me, they are <laughs> the Jedi Order. If the Jedi Order had their fucking shit together, like they're these, it's an order of mystics who are using their abilities to sway things politically and culturally for decades seemingly out of like patience and very careful timing is what it seems like to me i'll say this very quickly george lucas was definitely stealing a lot of things from dune uh, uh, and that's one of them (laughs) the the bene gesserit are are like spies fighters Mm. and also really good at eugenics because Mm. their whole thing is we need this bloodline for this. We need this bloodline for this. We need this bloodline for this. You need to go fuck that king. You need to go fuck that king. You need to go fuck that Everybody king. Everybody fuck. These, right. Exactly. And these mm-hmm. children then need to. And that's that's the whole idea of how they're trying to make the Quitsack Hatterack is by having the right gene pool oh, mixed together. The Quitsack Hatterack. Well, that's what Paul is oh, going to okay. be. Yeah. That's what the his vision well, was about? That's him yeah. becoming the Quitsack Cataract. Like well, because... and that's what those voices are that I assume are like the Benny Gesserit from far out in space talking to him. I don't know. Well, I, he, I, I he hasn't he hasn't gotten to that point yet because I mean, I don't know if anybody cares about me spoiling things that they might have remembered from the eighty four Dune and will definitely be in this new one. But the way a reverend mother becomes a reverend mother is by drinking the water of life, which is produced by, yeah, it's produced by the sand trout. If you can Mm -hmm. survive it, that's how you become one. If you can transmute it. Yeah. And what happens is every reverend mother, which there aren't many of them, if I remember correctly, they have complete knowledge of every reverend mother before them. And Mm -hmm. that's why, 
that's why when Lady Jessica drinks the water of life when she's pregnant with Aaliyah, it gives Aaliyah all of the powers of a reverend mother before she's even born. Mm-hmm. So that's why she's such a terrifying thing at the end of the Lynch movie, because she's a child that has all of the knowledge of every reverend mother that went before her. All right, not and, too many spoilers, but yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I yeah, mean yeah. the Star Wars comparison because I think it's funny to think about how like the Jedi look at one dude, they're like, this is it, we got him, and he's a catastrophic fuck-up. Well, um, okay. And then in this it's one, like, a... it's, there's such careful planning over long <laughs> periods of time and, like, these chess moves. I love it. It's so cool. Well, yeah, I, I think mean, it's it... a... Go ahead, Arlen. No, I was going to say, it's a good starting point because it's it's well documented at this point. George was just, like, taking all the things that he loved and, like, mm-hmm. mashing them together. That's, that's, that's what he was doing. He's like, I love... Flash Gordon. Uh, Flash Gordon. I love. Yeah, I love Flash Gordon. I love Star Wars. Or not Star Wars. I love. I love Dune. I love uh, Robin Hood. I love King Arthur. I'm just gonna take all these things that I love, and I'm just gonna mash them together until you can't. You can't yeah. entirely see what I'm mashing together. You can see hints of what I'm mashing together, um, and that's what he did, and that became a gigantic hit. Yeah. Um, and that's why it works. So you can see the Dune influences, like the fact that Han is a spice trader and all that stuff. Like it's there. He's a smuggler, not Dune. a spice trader. All right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Get your shit together. Well, Get your shit together. he's mostly smuggling spice um, before Luke comes. Have you read the books? Um, How many books have you read, Han? How, do I, I How many Han Solo books have you read, Harlan? Exactly. I've read oh, zero Leo, Han Solo Leo, books. Don't, don't forget, depending on when when these books are from, they might not be canon anymore. It doesn't matter. Right? Yes, it does. It doesn't matter. It does. No, it doesn't. Leo is a proponent of the <laughs> head canon, of the strong head canon. I don't give a fuck what the official canon <laughs> Can I tell you guys uh, something? I I didn't cry, cry, but I did like have small sobs when I read on Yahoo whatever news that like Disney's officially saying that the old canon is dead and gone. And I was like, all those characters, they're no longer existing. I'm sad, and I had like a few tears running down my cheeks. I actually, I actually understand that. To relate to that, like I think people who grew up like really investing in Star Wars probably felt like a similar sense of like like i guess like loss because like i'm a kyle katarn dude dark forces is my shit and to me he's the guy who got the plans to blow up the death star and then they're just like nope never fucking happened um so yeah i i feel that 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 sense Mm. of like but i also understand why they did it just because it's you'd either have to recast yeah you'd have to recast everyone or start with like hey guess what here's jaina solo and she has to Right. She's the the saber of the Jedi, and it's like, what? Yeah, you mean how so had no other kids and they died? What? And, and to your point, oh, yeah. I think they've done a good job of being like, well, what can we salvage? What can we? Mm-hmm. What can we bring over? Oh, Thrawn! Thrawn's badass. Well, let's just put Thrawn in everything that's not the main. Movies. Darth Revan just... cannon. Yeah, yes. yeah. It's like just put it all in there. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyways, Dune. Um. Um, I was gonna say I do also love the comparison because it's amusing to me to think about Anakin Skywalker being pulled in that room and just murdered instantly because they're like, oh god, what the fuck is this disaster you've cultivated here? Like, no, come to bar his ass and then throw him in the fucking gutter. Like, if if the if the Benny Gesserit were in charge of the Jedi Order, Palpatine would have been found out 
years Immediately. ago. He would have been Immediately. Like, <laughs> yes, before he, he was even born. <laughs> exactly. It's like, oh, I'm born and I'm already evil. And then it's just like a Benny Gesserit comes by and chokes him with his own umbilical yeah, cord. Yeah, imagine they... walking into the Skywalker bloodline by the time it hits Ben Solo. It's like, what have you been doing? No, what they what they would have done is waited until uh, wait until Sheev was uh, old enough to produce viable sperm and have him <laughs> knock one of the Bene Gesserit up and then kill him. Because oh, yeah, then no, they would have everything they need from him. Your version is perfect, actually, Eric. Yes, you're yeah. correct. Like they would, they would wait for the opportune moment to use his power against him. Like Ray would because grow up she knowing fucks. she's a Palpatine. She would be like, "I'm a Palpatine now, and I'm going to destroy you. I'm going to, I'm going to rid your bloodline." Mm. Um, yeah, exactly. I have a question um, about the, the going back to the Gun Jabbar. Uh-huh. If he had mm. felt, they just straight up would have killed him, and that would have been it. Yeah, it was. Yeah, because I mean, like That's I mean. Really? Like, does a great job of selling the gravity of what Paul is to be and what he's becoming because like they basically mm-hmm. it's a test of like cool you've you've made this this pseudo messiah we kind of asked you not to you were supposed to bear only girls and you gave us a boy um mm-hmm. so now we have to like basically do a, a like a pop quiz of his of his character and nature um and yeah like there's a whole lot of weight on that scene because like he walks in like not know what the fuck's going on they're like yeah you could be a galactic monster and if you kind of are from this impression we have to put you down immediately mm-hmm. oh no see that's the thing like they don't they don't know yet that that he's going to become the quitsack cataract like that's right that's, that that test there was was to see if he's on the path to become like what they want yeah what his potential was right yeah. mm-hmm well, yeah, and also, and it was a dope I, team. I, yes, it yeah. was. I think you're right about them. Like, they don't want him to be a monster. They, uh, I yeah. mean, to use Star Wars as a reference, they don't want him to become the emperor. They don't want him to just like become this tight. And this they tyrant. don't want him to act on primal impulses. You know, mm-hmm. like where's reacting to the pain and like doing something to get out of it as soon as he can, yes. rather than just enduring it and seeing what happens. Yeah, they want somebody yeah. who's willing to do bad shit, but not purely for like personal gain. Like he's doing the bad thing to stave off the worst thing is really what they yeah. want, which is part of part of their theology. Yeah, they're uh, eugenics. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, they're terrible. No, it's yeah. the the Bene Gesserit are they're cool as an idea, but in mm-hmm. reality, they'd be horrible, horrible people. Yes. They're just yeah. They're just moving everything around like a giant chessboard, even more so. Well, than everything like... would be an agenda. There'd be no honest mm-hmm. action they could ever take. Well, yeah. the only reason you like root for them a little bit is the more you learn about the navigator thing and how they've just like control everything with just like this like oh no you so you want to go against us oh you just can't go anywhere you're just stuck on your own planet and uh, uh, we'll bring all your enemies to you for free to get rid of you um so yeah well, that's uh, that's one of the uh more interesting things with the navigators and just in the books how everybody is double crossing everybody except for the atreides like when leah keys is there he's uh he's you know talking with the fremen and he's the one who basically convinces the emperor not to bring in weather satellites because if the emperor did that he'd be able to see all of the uh sieges that they have that are filled with water so what they're doing is they're paying the navigators in spice to not bring that stuff in. Nice. So the navigators are getting spice from everybody for everything. 
because that is basically what oil is in this world is spice because it's used for all of these crazy things. But yeah, it's just, it's mm-hmm. the plans within plans within plans thing that goes on in these, in these stories so much. And it's so rad. Yeah. Um, before we wrap up, do we want to address the ending and how this is very much uh, a part one movie? It is. It, is. I, it feels like a part one. Yeah. I think, I think I my think... brother who knows even like less than me and he did have a bunch of questions and we kind of looked up, but like uh, we both agreed that like the cliffhanger isn't bad, but like the ending of just like, oh, here's what we're going to do. Oh, what? what? That's it. Uh, like you get to see them riding the sandworm for like two seconds. Like, oh, you can do that. But wait, wait. Yeah, that's, uh, that's okay. the only thing. That's the so. I've thought about this a lot because I, I don't fully agree with the people out there who are like, this was bad because I have to see another movie. Like I, I just I fundamentally on like a, a philosophical level disagree with that. Uh, yeah, that's basically. terrible opinion. Terrible take. That like that, uh, that's I, I Matrix was, uh, Reloaded and the other one, Revolution, right? right? And, yeah, and that's a bad yeah. version. I this mean, one, I was, I was enjoying everything. That's yeah, Infinity exactly. War and Endgame. Exactly. Like there were people yeah, saying yeah, that yeah. with those movies, but the one thing where I'm like, <sighs> the thing that they should have done, and I understand, I kind of understand why they do it here to give Lee Keens like a good ending and a cool ending. Um, is I think we should have seen somebody really like riding a sandworm and like having yeah. a good time with it. Um, and like, as like a, a hint of what's going on. Um, and I think it's the weak part of the setting. Cause I really love that it ends with Jace Momoa sacrificing himself, this middle section that does go on like a little bit long, but then it ends with Paul having this like breaking point in this moment where he really finds who he has to be to survive. Um, I really like that it's him fighting an adult man. Mm-hmm. And something we mentioned before is I love that they they make you not trust his visions completely. I love that idea yep. of like Oh, that, that was one of my favorite part. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I love the idea of like you're setting up this guy to almost be like a like an Obi-Wan type. Um like yeah. he's gonna be like his teacher, and then you immediately kill him almost as soon as you set up that idea. And I love that. I love the fact that the visions work like that, and it gives us a sense of. But he did teach him, right? Like he did. It, teach well, him. it through the visions in a weird way, and yeah, he did. Like actually, actually, absolutely, yes, he he did teach him, just not in the way we expect. And I love yeah, that that sets up this that sets up this expectation of the visions, where the visions may not be exact, but they will still they will still give you something. There will still be value to the visions, even if they aren't exactly what you're expecting. Um, and I, I just love the way that that works within the story and the plot. I think that it's a good emotional ending, but again, like you, like we said, I think that you needed to see somebody riding a worm. Um, Cause I think it's just a great moment to have to end this, to give it a real sense of like, Oh, okay. This part of the story is over and now we're moving into the next section. Um, you know, See, to use two towers and uh lord of the rings just as an example the two towers is a movie that i've gone back and forth on many times over the years but i think the the thing that makes the two towers a fulfilling ending is that there's that moment where frodo almost gives himself to the ring raids and sam saves him if you removed that moment um that movie doesn't work that ending doesn't work and you're just disappointed and, and you're like well i just want to get to return of the king now 
this sucked. But having these moments that really work emotionally is the only reason that a, that a middle chapter or the end of like a first chapter of a two-parter works. You know, Endgame doesn't really work if you don't have Peter turning into dust, I would say. Um, and I, I think it's kind of missing that a little bit, which is why I, I don't I don't hate the people who are like, this movie felt too much like a part one. Um, but at the same time, I think ult- ultimately this was a satisfying ending for me. Um, and I don't think that they could have done, I don't know how else they could really do better. Um, I couldn't imagine a better version of a Dune part one um, made now by this director, by this team, by, yeah, so on and so forth. So I'll let somebody I, else talk now. Um, <laughs> my my big thing is that I kind of wish they hadn't shown anybody riding a sandworm, like having sure. Leah Keys come out with that stuff and then get killed. It hints at it if you know, but mm-hmm. I, my I don't called know. I I don't know for sure, but I'm thinking that a heavy part of this next Dune movie is going to be seeing Paul trading, training with the Fremen. And Mm -hmm. how much more badass would it be to have that be like one of the big action scenes in the beginning of the next movie? Like, I I think that would have had I think that would have had more impact than having it be at the very end of the first movie because it wouldn't have fit in because, I mean, yeah, they they ride the worms to get around mm-hmm. Iraq as quickly and easily, but I think it's a bigger deal having it in having seeing that when you're in the beginning of the next movie, that's going to be the end of the Dune, mm-hmm. the first Absolutely. book. So I don't know. I think, I, mean, I think it would work better that way, but that's just me. No, I, I agree. And like, again, to go back to the end game, infinity war comparison, the opening of end game was going to be the end of infinity war. And I think that mm-hmm. they made the right choice there. So yeah. Um, yeah. Well, yep. Oh. Yeah. I don't know. Anybody else? Hawkeye's yeah. family dying should have been the end credit scene for Infinity War. Oh, God. You are threatening you know what I, podcast right now. <laughs> you know what? You know what? Actually, I'm on board with that, but I'm talking about specifically Thanos getting his head chopped off. That's where they were going to end Infinity War. They were talking about that. And they wanted to. Oh, really? That they, seems crazy I, to me. It does yeah, seem it crazy to strong, me because I, because when you watch it now, you're like, "That's the perfect beginning to this movie." Mm-hmm. There's no there's there's no better way to start End Game than with that moment of Thanos getting his head chopped off. Um, but they were thinking of that as the beginning of Infinity War for a while <laughs> until they were like, "No, that's let's save that to the next one." Um, so yeah, um, it's a it's a hard balance, and I I, I do agree, Eric. Like. If they're saving it for a reveal later on, absolutely. I, I think that that's a smart choice. It's just, yeah. and that's where, this is why I'm not willing to be like, you're dumb if you hated the fact that this is a part two or that you didn't like that this is a, or that this is a part one, I mean. Um, if that was a problem for you, I see it. I understand it. If that was a problem, it's not a problem for me it's not an issue i don't me. think i don't so. think people are dumb but i think it's it's just it you you had to go into this movie knowing it was absolutely two parts like i don't anyone didn't know it was going to be two parts so it it just i don't know it you're setting up false so i want to end it my brother was like all right, when's part two? And I was like, they just announced it greenlit today. And he's all like, 
Man, if we had if we if we had watched this and never no, never got it, bro. He's like, I would have hated it. I would have. He's like. He, He's like, yeah, but right. oh no! Well, I would be like, make this a show. Had any of you seen the uh, the the snippet or the interview with uh, with Dennis that was saying or Denise, whatever, um, that you know he's he's glad people are liking it. He's excited to make the next one, but he doesn't know if twenty twenty three is enough time for him to do it the way he wants to do. Take the <laughs> fucking time you need, Denny. Yeah. I don't care. Take the time yeah. you need. I can wait. All right. Yeah. That's yeah. it. Looking back yeah. at it, like again, like now they're talking about, it, I'm just like, fuck. There was so much like good shit. Yeah, I mean, that was just like us talking about this. Like, I'm gonna watch yeah. it again tomorrow. The, the, yeah, yeah. The, yeah. So, I mean, it, the, I, the solder cars, the the, mm-hmm. the space the solder cars. I like yeah. their yeah. yeah. I like because to me they look like astronauts, but you can't see their faces, and that's creepy. Yeah. And um, the way they just kind of like, like float silently. Yeah, yeah, like they like float silently, and I was like, that's not, there's nothing more scarier than like seeing them coming down, but you don't hear mm-hmm. shit. And I'm like, no, make some noise, please. All right. <laughs> yeah, no. There's there's an eeriness. There's a How ghost like so quality to them. Yeah, yeah fuck it. It's, yeah, they're so creepy. Like, I yeah. Uh, Denny, take as much time as you need. If it needs to come out March 2024, I don't care. Just just yeah. do it. Just complete. Just complete that second movie. I don't even need a third one. I know he wants to do a third one. Yeah, he wants to oh. do uh, Dune Messiah also. If okay, um, I want to ask yeah. how many like books by the original author are there? There are six by the original author, and then there's yes. like three that are based on the notes of Frank Herbert that were written by his son Brian, and I forget who the other author is. And then Another there's dude. been yeah. yeah, and then there's been a bunch of stuff that's like like deeper like lore for the wider universe. Like there's a trilogy okay. of books. I, I, well, yes. it's like what, what would you want to be covered in movies and stuff? Honestly, I. I think Dune and Dune Messiah are the two best to cover because once you get into Children of Dune, it starts to go to some weird places. And I mean, so you need would you say Children of Dune isn't necessary to cover at all? Well, it, Dune and Dune Messiah cover the entirety of the Paul Atreides story. Oh, and I'll, I'll leave it at that. I think that's okay. what we need in the films. I've, yeah. I, if they do a show after the fact about the later books, I think that that's the best possibility for everyone in terms of like covering yeah. all of it. And yeah, you know, because I think a show, a show gives you time. You have this material, but you don't, you have to fill in a 10 hours a season, mm-hmm. um, you know, minimally I would assume. And they can, they can change stuff that they need to. If they need to like cut something out that doesn't work, they can cut it out, um, and they can add stuff that works better. And I, I think there's an expectation that's lessened by putting it in a show. Um, and I think that they could cover that stuff. I personally, knowing what I know about uh, the stuff with Leto Two, um, mm-hmm. I would love to see that in a show. A show just works so much better for what they're doing um, or what they would be doing. Um, I wouldn't want to see that in a movie necessarily. 
Um, I, Leo, I don't know. If, do you plan on reading the Dune books anytime soon? Uh, they're definitely on the list, but again, I've bought books from like two years ago. I haven't read yet, so like yeah. it's there, but I don't know when I'm going to okay, get it. Okay, because because uh, yeah, there's some real wacky shit that happens after the third Dune book, and even in the third Dune book, like so it it starts going to some places like it's like I was saying earlier in the episode. I don't, I don't think you were listening or even on yet, but like the beginning of Dune, like the first two books are an easy way to lure people in. And then it starts hitting you with like this esoteric and hard sci-fi stuff. Mm-hmm. So it's, it, it goes some places. I do remember reading at some point, because people talk about Dune all the time, uh, but I do remember saying, Oh, at one point it's like in the year, one million or something like that, or maybe I'm getting yeah, it wrong. Yeah, but it's, like that, it covers no, it's, years. It's yeah, it it covers eons, and, and <laughs> Duncan Idaho is still around, <laughs> and so is Leo the second. Where is the sweet? Okay, I, I I heard of that part about the 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 ghouls and clones and shit. So and I, there's the that, is, but yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah no, it, just yeah, it gets really wacky. But yeah, I think I think Dune Messiah is the perfect place to end it, but it's gonna bum people out. Mm-hmm. Damn. And, All right. actually, and actually I don't even know because a big part of the of Children of Dune is the con- actually there is more Paul Trades. I was wrong so like it uh, it's so hard because everything is so connected that you can't really go without something I mean I'll, I'll say this Eric if they do get to a third movie by then it's been successful enough that I don't think we're going to have <sighs> We're not going to have a last, a last. I'm, I must be much drunker than I think I am. A last Jedi situation. No. Um, I don't think we'll be there. I think the audience the is there time? for the, the, uh, yeah. I absolutely agree, Luis or Leonardo. I mean, um, damn, wow. damn, I must, damn. Be, I must be hammered. I must Racist. be fucking. Oh yeah, blame I the must bottle. be top you gotta ten. Get Getting the um, college confused, all right. No, okay. For one, your name starts with an L. I'll just say that. Oh, okay. In my defense. Okay. Um, and no, you all it's, look the same. It's, no, it's phonetically the same. Um, I, will, I will murder you. Um, honestly, in my head, I imagine a Ninja Turtle, actually, so that doesn't even work. Um, okay. Uh, because I'm sorry, whoever chose your name, they chose the name of a Ninja Turtle, and that's all I see. Uh, no, I was named after my uncle who died young. So I mean, R.I.P. Him. Was your uncle a ninja turtle? No, he was a criminal. No, yes. You said that like you were so mm-hmm. bummed, but he wasn't a ninja turtle. I, anyway, I, mean, I, I, forgot, I have completely Connor. forgotten what I was saying. So if we yeah. want to wrap it up, we can wrap it up. Well, Connor, I wasn't um, sure if you had any last things you wanted to say about the 2021 version of Dune. Fucking rules, and I can't wait for the next one. I don't care how long it takes. I do think the two-year window yeah. is like really tight, but yeah, uh, we'll see. If, I mean, I believe in Denny. Uh, you know, this is the longest time he's had between movies. There was a period there where he was putting out a movie every single fucking year. So if he can do it, he can do it. If he needs to take more time, go ahead. Uh, yeah, I I hope Warner Brothers realizes like that pay legendary so he can continue to do this because yes, yes. He's the perfect director for this. Yeah. Uh, that's all I have to say. I'm, I'm running out of energy. I'm sure Hunter died a long time ago. Oh, yeah, he did. Yeah. I did it with my bare hands. 
<laughs> All right. Well, do we want right. to wrap this up then, Connor? Sure. Uh, this has been yeah. our Dune mega conversation. We covered various forms of the story. Um, Trick or Trash from Boo Dumpsters, almost over. Night of the Demons is the last episode out, and then we're doing a giveaway. And then we are diving into a literal all Ghostbusters month. So next month is going to be pretty exciting. Uh, we're doing a commentary track, a watch along, and two episodes. So yeah, we got lots of stuff. So there's That's that. Good, good shit. Mm, fun. Oh, that sounds fun, actually. Um, uh, LHP, we've been doing the spooky stuff. Uh, there should be an episode on Japanese horror coming out tomorrow. We discussed one of Connor's favorite movies, among others. Fuck yeah. Um, uh, I don't remember what episode we did before. Oh, no. We did the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the first two uh, films of that series. Um, we both had a great time with that, so... Listen to those. Uh, we're going to be doing another one just on recent-ish horror stuff uh, we've been watching. And uh, then we're going to be back into Bond. And we're going to be going at it uh, heavy until uh, until we get them all. Um, so uh, look forward to all of that. You're so close. You're so close to we're being almost done with all of them. Almost. Almost. I, I've been Eric Fedorchek. You can find me uh the Phantom Zone floating around there and probably other places. Uh, I'm on Instagram at Eric underscore Fedor. There's your dogs and cat and food and comics. Um, the one thing that I discovered recently that I didn't realize about Frank Herbert, because I was always under the impression he was a bit of a teetotaler, um, he apparently was a fan of mushrooms. Uh, another significant no. source of inspiration for Dune was Herbert's experiences with psilocybin and his hobby of cultivating mushrooms, according to mycologist Paul Stamets' account. So that makes sense. I mean, I also know that like he was trained in ecology, so he knew what he was talking about when it came to all the things that do eventually end up happening through the Dune series. Which is well, kind of crazy. He was, a, he was a generalized nerd overall, yeah. apparently. Like yeah, he just—he yeah. never finished college. He just he took the classes and stuff that he was interested in, and that was yeah. what he did. Yeah, like that's why yeah, the tits are there. I'm very curious that you said Stamets because that immediately makes me think of a character named Stamets in Star Trek who uses mushrooms to travel through space. Oh, okay. um, I, I I almost I have to assume that that's a reference to that guy who Most knows likely. a lot about dune um, it would be a very strange synchronicity if they weren't connected in any way i want to huh. do hunter's uh plug for him uh okay uh follow him on instagram at young underscore uh, uh tell him about uh uh uh, uh futas uh futas uh and uh all kinds Excuse of me? uh uh you can look that word up later um uh <laughs> Um, and all kinds of animal uh, human hybrid things uh, so yeah uh, send him pictures of that and uh, he will love it um, yeah yeah <clears throat> I've been Leo, Leo do you Gonzalez. have any plugs <laughs> I've been Lou oh. Gonzalez and uh... god damn it <laughs> no. not really I guess my, my, my Instagram lrtv underscore three that's about it don't really post a lot but I'll I'll, I'll like I'll like your your stories and your pictures if you want validation. Um, also, Paul Atreides he took Jesus take the wheel a little too hard for me. The motherfucker <laughs> took a nap. The motherfucker <laughs> took a nap, and I was like, he took a nap, 
I woke up at 500 meters in the air. I, you know, if you haven't seen the movie, try imagining that. All right, that's crazy. Don't do that shit. Oh yeah, and a quick side note: something <laughs> for people who uh, aren't aware of this on Dune. Nobody on that planet can ever leave again because they're all addicted to spice now. And if they leave, mm. they die. So that's oh a fun God. little. Yeah. It was also pointed out to me in a podcast I was listening to from the last podcast network uh, that how are the Harkonnens not all addicted to spice? How are they all not helplessly addicted to it? That that's a that's a plot hole that uh, has existed for sixty years and nobody has pointed out. Uh, so yeah, fucking Dune sucks, bro. Dune is trash now. God damn it! The hottest it takes. This uh, whole podcast leading to. Nah. All right. Yeah. Well. Good night, everybody. Bye. Good night. Bye. Bye.